to just honor him as God. Let him be God. You know, we say we exalt the Lord, but how? You can't exalt the Lord higher than he is. It's impossible. However much we exalt him, he's higher than that. So, um, you haven't started, have you? <laughs> um, so, it, it is that exaltation of God and, and so on, I believe. But I, I, I think this thought comes to my mind. I want to say letting God be God, giving him honor, giving him the glory that is due to his name, giving him the credit, recognizing that he is the one that does this or that or the other, not taking the glory for ourselves, not attributing, attributing it to someone else, not attributing it to science, not, but giving him the glory giving him the glory, giving him the honor, recognizing him as God and, and not a man. You know, the Bible says that we, we no longer know Jesus after the flesh, but after the spirit. And, um, you know, I think back to the issue of Mary and Martha. You know, Martha was ministering to Jesus. Mary was waiting on Jesus. Um, Martha was there, you know, deeply concerned, you know, to make sure that, that everything was right, that, you know, everybody was fed and everything else. In the meantime, Mary was seemed like she was sitting doing nothing, but she was actually just at the master's feet. Now you know that you know how the dialogue and how the communication went because Martha said to Jesus, you know, like do, do something. I mean, here I am. I'm busy. I'm working hard. I'm sweating. I'm trying to make sure everybody's comfortable. Everybody gets something to eat. And look at Mary. What is she doing? She's just sitting there. And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better part. And the part that Mary has chosen, no one can take it away. Because what Mary had chosen was to, was to literally feed and be fed by Jesus. She literally, she, was, she put herself in a position to let him be God. Whereas, um, you know, Mary, Mary was dealing with him and, and, uh, as God. Whereas Martha was dealing with the humanity aspect. You know, the fact that he's a man, he might get hungry. The people here are hungry. You know what I mean? I might not look too good if, if this don't work out right. It, you know, they might not want to come back again if, if somebody faint when they leave here because they're hungry. She was so concerned about that. So, but if we ask the question, who really honored the Lord? Who really blessed him? We know the answer is Mary. You know what I mean? And why? Because she let him be God. She let, you know, sometimes we feel we got to do this and do that for God. When, when a lot of the times, God just wants us to receive from him. He is honored by us receiving. He is honored by us letting him be God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness. And we pray tonight that you would so touch our hearts by the spirit of wisdom and revelation and by the Holy Ghost that we would let you be God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Zechariah chapter 4. Praise the name of the Lord. Let him be God. And honor him as God. Reverence him as God. Give him all the glory. The Bible says in the book of Romans. Um, in the, you turn it to Zechariah chapter 4. But the Bible says in the book of Romans. Um, in verse in reading from verse 21, it says the visible, the visible, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 
But because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They didn't give him the honor as God. They didn't give him the honor as God. I mean, like, you know, I can, I can share something tonight with you and you might get so, you might get so blessed. And I mean, and you're just rejoicing and, and so on and so forth. But then you might also, you might start focusing on, oh, he's such a great teacher or this and that. Or, or maybe because he studied so much or maybe because of the Bible school he went to or, and all kinds of stuff and, and try to give me the credit when in fact it was the anointing of God that abided in me that teaches. You follow me? So it says when they knew God, they didn't give him the glory. They didn't give him the honor. What verse? I actually went to Romans. I, was, I said it go to Zechariah, but I stopped at Romans chapter 1, reading from verse 21. And when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. I mean, I mean the people that talk about Mother Earth and, 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 and Mother Nature and, and, and so on and so forth and, and, and giving the credit to nature rather than recognizing the God of all, the God that created it all. Rather than recognizing the invisible things that speaks of his divine power and Godhead. You know what I mean? Recognizing him as God and giving him the honor that is due to his name. So, and as a result they were, they were unthankful not recognizing him, not recognizing that he is the one that did it, that does it, believing it is themselves, giving honor to man, giving honor somewhere else. As a result, the thankfulness, <clears throat> the thankful attitude and heart that they ought to have towards him, they didn't have. And what happened? They became vain in their imagination. And as a result, their hearts became darkened, which means what? They became insensitive to the Spirit of God. They became insensitive to the moving of God. God could have come in the midst and they would not even recognize Him because they became so insensitive. All because, where? Where did it start from? Not giving Him glory, not recognizing Him, not giving Him the honor, and not giving Him the honor led to unthankfulness. That unthankfulness led to a vain, empty imagination which led to, the, to them becoming hardened and insensitive in heart. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I mean, look what a look, look what a drop that is. Amen. The reverse is true, though. Thank God that if you would give glory to God and thank Him and recognize Him, then you can, you know, and let your heart and your imagination be, let let it be set in Him, setting affections on those things which are above. What would happen? It would create a sensitivity within your heart instead of your heart being hardened. And when you have a sensitivity of heart, it is easier to hear the voice of God. Today, if you hear my voice, heart, not your heart. Jesus said that the problems with the children of with, um, the disciples, you know, is, is that they, 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 when he did the miracles, well, praise the Lord, where is this? Anyway, when, when he performed the miracles of the loaves and the fishes, in, in, in Mark chapter 6, <laughs> praise the Lord, Mark chapter 6, um, okay, I'm just going to jump in the middle of it, you know the story anyway, and when they saw him walking up on the, up on the sea, they supposed that it had been a spirit, and they cried out. For they all saw him, and they were troubled. 
And immediately he talked with them and he said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. You can remember the word the storm? And the wind ceased. And they were so amazed. They were amazed like, wow, how could this be? Look at it. The wind has ceased. The waves has gotten all quiet. And they were, they were amazed in themselves beyond measure. I mean, they were like, they were like so amazed that, man, this blew my mind. This, this, it, it just didn't make any sense to them. And then listen to this next verse, verse 22. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts was hardened. When this miracle, in other words, it says the reason why they, they were so amazed and shocked when, 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 when Jesus' presence caused the, 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 the wind to cease and, the, and everything to become, the reason they were so amazed, it indicates here that had they spent some time and had given some thought as to what happened with the loaves and fishes. I mean, this boy just had a few loaves, what, five loaves and what was it? Was it five loaves and eight fishes or eight fishes and five loaves? And, and, and Jesus took it, blessed it, broke it. There is no way Jesus went to each one, he, you know, he gives some to Peter, he gives some to James, he gives some to John, he gives some to Judas, he gives some to each of the disciples. And as they were serving it, it just multiplied. There's no way you could have served that many people. And, and it just multiplied as they were serving. I don't know if the people themselves also served one another. But it was a supernatural, divine, miraculous thing that took place. Now, if they had gone home and said, wait a minute, what happened here today? How, how was that? That thing literally multiplied. Who can do such a thing? He's got to be, I mean, he's God. Look what he did. Just a couple of loaves and a, a couple of loaves and two fishes or whatever the case is, and he fed over 5,000 and I was just made alone. And that, that would have so impacted them that when he showed up, when he was walking on water, or when the wind and the storm became totally still, they would have said, but of course. I mean, what can you expect? But that, they were amazed at that because they took no time to consider their miracle. What am I saying? If we look at that and we look at Romans, it is saying because when they, they, when they observed nature, when this happened, when that happened, and they didn't give God glory, they didn't recognize this was God, and be thankful, and begin to magnify it. Because they didn't do that, they went way down into a place where their heart became so, where they became vain and mixed up and confused in their imagination, and they got into a place where they became insensitive to the voice of God. But the good news is the reverse. If we would recognize, recognize him, if we would acknowledge him in all our ways, if we would be thankful, if we would see the hand of God in every situation, if we would recognize his might and his majesty and his excellence, and we would so highly esteem him and honor him and stand in awe before him, it will in turn create within us a sensitivity of heart and we'd be better able to hear the voice of God, recognize the voice of God, and be able to, 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 to be able to move and flow with him easier. Amen? Think again about John, the apostle John. The, the apostle that always said, the disciple, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Remember that? Right? His boast was in how much God loved him. And because of that, 
his, you know, that relationship with him and God, with Jesus, was so strong that number one, because of the confidence that he had in Jesus' love and the relationship they had in God's love for him, when they were in the Last Supper, and um, and 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 Jesus says, "Somebody's going to betray me." Peter or, or John, Peter or Philip or one of them could have said, "Jesus, who is it?" But you know what happened? Peter said, "John, you ask him. Ask him who who is it." Right? John didn't hesitate. John said, "Jesus, who is it?" Why? Because of that relationship. They had con Peter had more confidence in John being able to hear from Jesus than he did. Think about that. And Peter was the one who said, who, whose confidence was not in God's love for him, but was in his love for God. Where Peter's attitude was, man, Jesus, hey, I, I'm ready to die with you. You know what I mean? I, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I will never deny you, no matter what. They, whoever, they might want to deny, but not me. You know what happened? When the pressure came, he denied him. Why? Because his confidence was in his own love. Now that is very important because you see, we are in a day of grace and God has called us into grace. And one of the things about walking in grace, your confidence must not be in you. It must not be in your performance. It must not be in, in law, but it must be totally and entirely in him. And that will make all the difference how much grace flows. The Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 6 that he gives grace to who? To the humble. The humble is the one that is empty of himself. Isn't that right? Right? The humble is the one that is so trusting that whatever God says is true. But his confidence is not in, in himself. His confidence is in God. So it matters. Again, we see John. Right? Remember I said this issue about, uh, about, your, about recognizing him for who he is and, and loving him and, and blessing him and giving him the glory and being thankful and having that kind of heart puts you in a position where you're going to be more sensitive to his voice and being able to hear his voice and not harden your heart. Amen? Again, let's examine John. There was another occasion after Jesus was resurrected and they were out, you know, Jesus, Peter had, had, had more or less said to them, hey, let's, let's go fishing. And he went back fishing. All right? Jesus talked to him about that later. Peter, do you love me more than these? Feed my, feed my sheep. And he was talking about these fish. <laughs> right? These fish, this fishing stuff that he went back after. <laughs> All right? Do you love me more than that fishing business? Do you love me more than your own enterprises and endeavors and your own ambitions and, and all of that? Do you love me more than these? But anyway, that's a little diversion. But anyhow, so here they were. And, and they, were, they were back fishing. Jesus was on the seashore. Remember that? And Jesus had cooked fish and whatever else for them. Right? And Jesus had supper all prepared. And they looked. You remember who it was that we recognized that it was Jesus? John. It was John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple who kept saying, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. What happened? It put him in a place where he was able to recognize Jesus when others couldn't. And, and I think there are two other references um, along the line. And if you study each one of them, you will see some uniqueness about the fact of having this confidence in his love for us. Being, being where, our, where he is our entire focus. Looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of all So in, um, in Zechariah chapter 4, you're going to Zechariah, right? 
Amen. Hallelujah. But that's a good word right there. What do you think? <laughs> Zechariah chapter 4. Hallelujah. Where are you? Okay, here you are. Yeah? <laughs> the Bible says faith call those things, right? You can't find it, call it. <laughs> All right, Zechariah chapter 4. Um, now, I know you're thinking I'm going to verse 6. Not by might, not by power, and you're right. But however, a little bit more than just that. Now, so we have in Zechariah. I just want to get straight to the verse. I'm just going to. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just going to jump in the middle of the story. Forgive me. Come back, read it yourself. But verse 5. Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, no, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, not, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? What is this big obstacle? This big hindrance? What is this evil medical report? What is this financial thing that want to act like a giant? What is it? Who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone, therefore, with shouting, crying, grace, grace. Onto it. It is done by grace. Amen. This mountain shall be moved. But it is done by grace. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. I think it says that yeah. where? Zechariah who? 12 verse. Um, in another place. Anyway. Um, it is done by grace. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Zechariah 12 verse 9. Verse 10. You don't need to turn to it. But he is the spirit of grace. So you cannot separate the spirit from grace. Which is also, um, you know, that is why, for instance, if the spirit of the Lord is leading you a certain way, you cannot just become dogmatic and say, yeah, but I got scripture. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit is saying to you, don't go on that plane. Right? Or don't go or turn down this street. Don't come off that highway. Pull over to the side. If you're going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to go on a plane anyway. Because I have Psalms 901. No evil shall befall me. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. I dwell underneath the shadow of the Almighty. Because he is directing differently, and you decided, I'm going to do this, based on the letter of the law, the Bible says the letter what? Kill it. Then you are off in an area based on the letter and at the same time and by so doing you're not where the spirit of the Lord is and the spirit is the one he is the spirit of grace that provides grace so next thing you know you go get into trouble and you say why did all this happen to me and especially when he would have spoken to you amen 
Remember, we're talking about sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We're talking about hearing His voice. We're talking about following the Lord. And one of the wonderful ways in which you could follow the Lord is to learn to develop a sensitivity of heart and learn to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 7, let me just share that with you. Romans chapter 7. It might be good to flip over into this one. Verse 6. Amen. I remember, I remember one time, um, several weeks ago, right here in a, in a Wednesday night Bible study. And um, I, had, I had, I think it was the first time I mentioned this conscience stuff, it was a few weeks back. And I had come, and, and I was wanting, believing I should go in some other particular direction in teaching. And I started out, and as I was heading down there, the Holy Spirit was pulling me over somewhere else and was over in that same area of conscience. And, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to go there. I haven't studied that. I'm not ready. I don't, you know, and so what happened? And I end up in this limbo place, right? And for a period of time, if you were to go back, don't, don't do it, but if you were to go back and listen to that message, whoever has it, I think, um, <laughs> we have it, it was kind of bumpy. But do you know why? Because I may have taught, I might have still been teaching truth in terms of scripture. But what happened, at least for a period of time, is that I was not following and flowing with the Holy Spirit. Which means what? Right? I was no longer operating in the Spirit. And it's when you operate in the Spirit, that is what causes the power of God and causes effectiveness. That is for the very reason that it also says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, there is an anointing that abides in you, that teaches you all things. And then listen to this, and even as he had taught you, you shall abide in him. If you, in other words, um, if here I am, that anointing is in you, that anointing which is the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of Grace. Maybe for this particular study, you need to think grace and think the Spirit of Grace from what I'm hearing. <laughs> That anointing which is the spirit of grace inside of you teaches you, gives you understanding. He teaches you all things. And whatever he teaches you, as he has taught you, if you listen to what he says, as he has taught you, what's going to happen? You're going to abide in him. But if you don't do as he has taught you, you're going to be out there somewhere, not in that place. You follow me? So it's important for us to develop that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We do that by practice, we do that by obedience, we do that by praying in tongues, we do that by learning to quiet, quiet ourselves even in the midst of the storm when there's chaos everywhere. We do that by learning to be still, still. we do that by, not, by, by, by getting rid of those things that would want to entangle us, the fretting and the anxiety and worry and, and all of that kind of stuff and learning to strip those things off of us. Amen? So that you could be in a place where you can be still and know God. And be able to hear. Amen. Everything don't have to be quiet, but you have to be. <laughs> Amen. Are you with me? But that's practice. Paul says, I exercise myself. You got to exercise yourself. You got to practice these things. All right? The prayer closet is a wonderful place where you learn to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Romans chapter 7, you're there. And verse 6. And now... We are delivered from the law. 
that's works, that's letter, that's self, that's your own ability, that is your own doings, your own performance. The letter killer. Remember Jesus said something one time in um, John, <laughs> praise the Lord, in John chapter 5, I think it is, and verse 40. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yes, yeah. John chapter 5 and verse 40. Jesus says in verse 39, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. And he says, And you shall not come to me that you might have life. Let us not be deceived. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for the written word of God. But if the word of God does not bring you to the person of Christ, mm -hmm. you have no life. Right. You have no eternal life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were people in the old, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees had it all in the book memorized. Mm -hmm. But they had no life. Right. They searched the scriptures, which testify of him, but it didn't come to him. So they had no life. Mm -hmm. Grace, say grace. grace. No, you know, again, it is going to say, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, that grace and peace is multiplied to you, how? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen? Grace and peace is multiplied to you, multiplied to you. Now, here we have a situation from Romans chapter 5 verse 17, which says, by one man offense, death reigned by one. And then it says, much more, they which receive abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Shall reign in life by virtue of what Jesus has done. Shall reign in life because of the sacrifice of Christ. They which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign as kings in this life because of Jesus' being crucified, buried, resurrected, ascending, shedding his blood, giving us his name, giving us his life, giving us great and precious promises. So there's abundance of grace. In another place it talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ and the exceeding greatness of his grace. The grace is unfathomable. It is immeasurable. And there is abundance of it. Yet there are still limitations. And here, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 points out, one of those, um, what should I say? Not measuring sticks, but one of those levers that will determine how much of it flows. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace is multiplied to you, how? Through the knowledge of him. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means, if there is, so the limitation of to how much grow, grace is going to flow, even though there's abundance of it available, is going to be limited by the knowledge of God. And the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get that? But at the same time, it also says, it's going to be limited by the knowledge what? Come on. The knowledge Okay, I'm going to change that for a moment. It's going to be limited by the knowledge from God and the knowledge from the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? No, no that's not what it says. Is there a difference? Yes. 
between knowledge about God, knowledge from God, versus the knowledge of God? There is a difference. So that grace is multiplied when you have a knowledge of he that is on the inside of you, of that Jesus, of Christ, the person. Remember, grace and truth came how? To Jesus Christ. Grace and the person of Christ are one. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Amen? No wonder Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 39 and 40, search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But you got to come to me if you're going to have eternal life. If you're going to have life, you got to have to get a hold of me. One of the reasons I like, to, I like to say to believers, especially in the day that we are living in, where people, are, where people can, can, can lust after ministry, as opposed to having a zeal for God. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah. As opposed to having a burning passion to, to, uh, um, to live in His presence and to live in a place of abandonment to Him and so on and so forth. One of the reasons I like to, because people, because what happens is that people like to talk about, uh, about, oh, about this prophetic ministry. And I have this ministry, a prophetic ministry. And oh, this ministry is prophetic. This one is not prophetic. This, uh, this is a deliverance ministry and that kind of ministry and that kind of ministry. And I'm not saying those things don't exist. Of course they are. God, according to the measure of His grace, absolutely. However, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about deliverance grace, healing grace, prophetic grace, or whatever kind of grace. Ultimately, it is the spirit of grace. Ultimately, it is the life of Christ in manifestation. Ultimately, it's Christ flowing out of you. So if, if you and I are in that place where Jesus says, you want to have my life, you got to lay down your own. You want to function in my life? They're going to have to be a, a, a reality and a, a reality of the fact that of you being crucified. Except you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be where I am. You cannot have my life without laying down yours. Isn't that right? You see what I'm saying? But then what happens when his life flows? Then whatever is needed is there because all the grace comes out of him. Amen? And that is, that, 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 that is how it is. So he hence says, this is how it is. So, so as a result of what happened, we got to lay down self, we got to be crucified with him, and, and so on and so forth, so that our life might flow, so that that grace might flow. It is for the very same reason that he says, hey, he gives grace to who? To the humble. That's the one that lays down his life. Amen? The gospel is very, very consistent, and it's very harmonious. It doesn't matter what subject you, you, you study. It always comes back to the same. Because why? There is a unity of truth that is found in God. Whatever the truth might be, I don't know whether you're talking faith, you're talking grace, you're talking righteousness, you're talking um, deliverance, you're talking healing. It doesn't matter what it is. It is a truth that comes out of God and they agree together in Him. So they will always come back together. There's got to be a unity of truth. And if there isn't, then there's an error somewhere. Are you with me? Hallelujah. All right. So, so it is a faith. So then, yes, okay, fine. Okay, let's head over there, Romans chapter 4. So, so then, um, it is not by might, nor by power. It is done by the Spirit of grace. It is done by grace. Amen? And always remember, the whole purpose for Jesus coming, dying on the cross, getting resurrected, was to put an end for this purpose he was manifested, to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy that sin nature. And God did not fix the sin nature. 
He didn't fix it up. He didn't polish it. Right? He killed it. <laughs> he crucified it. He got rid of it. You see, when you go into the area of works, you're trying to fix something that God tried to end. That Jesus died to end. And I don't mean to be unkind, but you see, people don't understand it. But when people decide, for instance, that they are going to be affected by Sabbath or no Sabbath, new moon or no new moon, fasting or no fasting, if, when they're going to be affected by holiday or no holiday, when are they going to be affected by any of those things, whether they do it this way or whether they do it that way, they are in a place where they are actually not looking to grace, but they are looking to something that they do. They are looking to some manner of law. They are looking to something that Jesus died to put an end to, but they want God to stamp it. And it's absurd. It is a faith that it might be by grace. This way the promise is available to all the seed. Romans chapter 4 verse 16. All the healing, all the deliverance, all the being the head and not the tail, all the my God shall supply all you need, all the whatever it is, any power, any promise is available to every child of God. You know why? Because it doesn't depend on him. It depends on God. Amen? And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that right? Now, may I give you a verse that is right next to that one? I, I, I might be coming back to Romans. I'm just going, okay? We're just going to go. I think we're going to go tonight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so Hebrews, like, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 9 says, be not carried away with divers and strange doctrines. Don't get carried away by the philosophies of men. Amen. Don't get carried away by the rules of touch not and taste not and bend and circumcise. Be uncircumcised. Celebrate a holiday. Don't celebrate a holiday. Keep the Sabbath. Don't keep the Sabbath. Be sprinkled by water. No, get dumped. Don't be controlled and affected by any of that. Don't be carried away with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Not with meat, whether you eat pork or you don't eat pork. Amen? Amen. We had a tradition growing up in my country. On Good Friday, fish. fish. Yep. You had to eat fish. Or we had a thing called, um, oh, what is it called? Dumpling? No, it was just split peas. Oh, I don't have no Guyanese person here, but your name isn't here. But it's a thing, it's a thing called doll, but, but it's a pea, doll? Doll, yeah. That was Good Friday. No meat. And especially, and for me, in my house, not if you were spiritual, but I was supposed to have died, and a death certificate was written. For me, and it was Good Friday. All right? From drowning. It's a long story, but I'll tell you that off record. All right? So with that happening, 
to me, on a good Friday, the one good Friday when my mother didn't go to church, man, you better believe those good Friday rules were kept, including what you eat. <laughs> you dare not. My wife remember one good Friday, we had a, a mango tree outside the, next to the house, and I used to watch that mango tree, watch that mango. As soon as the mango get ripe enough, I pop up there and get it before somebody else does. And one good Friday, I mean, I'm getting older. This when the drowning stuff happened, I was three years old. I grew up here in all my life, though. But anyway, and I and I, I was um, I don't know. I must have been a teenager. And my mother, and I was outside. My mother looked outside on a good Friday, and here I was, and I was climbing that mango tree. Man, she flipped out. Huh? You know what I mean? Climbing the mango tree on a good Friday. <laughs> <laughs> But what is the point? Don't be carried away with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that your heart be established with grace. Not with meat. Which don't profit them, which don't profit them, etc. Let your heart be established with the reality that it is not as man wills. But it is by the mercy of God. And you know what the mercy of God is? The mercy of God is the sacrifice of Christ. That is the ultimate picture of mercy. Think about it. So it's not by your will and your willpower and all of that stuff. Colossians chapter 2, we talks about that. I'm determined. I've made up my mind. No, that's not how it works. You better learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. So as Philippians says, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, that he can work within you, both to will and to do his good pleasure, so that he can energize and empower you. Amen? So you don't have to depend on your own willpower. This is not will worship. Hallelujah. Galatians, I'm going to come back over here. Galatians chapter 5. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, I haven't preached a grace message for years. <laughs> right? Okay. I remember when we, where were you? We were at, um, was it? Yeah, I think we were at um, the traffic circle. There was a period of time, then, way back then. And even back when we were at 1393. That was like 9, 2006 and 7 and 8. There was days that few people even knew about Andrew Womack back then. <laughs> I don't, man, we used to have some heavy grace. <laughs> but God is good. Really. Hallelujah. I wish I could go dig up some of that stuff. Anyway. But anyway, Galatians chapter 5. It says in verse 1, Stand fast in the liberty whereby Christ has made you free. Now you have not been, you know, the whole message of the Galatian church was this. You didn't get all of this blessing, all of this freedom, all of this liberty based on your works. What make you think you can become perfected by your works now? That was the message to the Galatian church. Like who has bewitched you? Right? Who has messed with your mind to make you such an illogical, irrational, spiritual being to think that God saved you, delivered you, filled you with the Holy Ghost, blessed you with every spiritual blessing, put a, I mean, give you his name, washed you and cleansed you and make you righteous and all of that. 
and somehow you're going to get to a place of maturity and you're going to be able to possess your inheritance based on your own works, based on your own goodness, your own following of the law, your own keeping of the Sabbath or whatever else. It says, who has bewitched you? Well, we could be still be ours. We could still have a way of being bewitched today because there is something within us. We grew up in an environment that says, um, you know, the strong will survive. That says, you, you know, um, there's only one person is going to win. You know, we race, we compete. And performance matter in the natural realm. And therefore we are programmed that way. And as a result of that, we take that into the realm of the spirit and somehow instinctively think that it's all about our performance. But we got to consciously say, no, no. First of all, it's not about me. I'm not even here. <laughs> I'm crucified. You know, there's two aspects. There are several aspects, about seven or eight aspects to crucifixion. Let me rattle a couple of them off right now. Right? Right? There is, there is, okay, let me start on that end. There is crucifixion to what is called the rudiments of the world, all those touch not, taste not, and I believe that could be in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20. I'm not so sure about address, but it's in there anyway. Then there is, then, then there is crucifixion to the world. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, I agree it says, um, I will not, I will, I will glory in the cross by which the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Then it also says in Romans 7 verse 4, we were close by that a little bit ago, which says you're crucified through the body of Christ to the law, which means it's dead to you. So you're, you're dead to the law. And then people, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Then we're all dead. I mean, they were all crucified. Now, when you de deal with people as if they're crucified and you see them as dead, they can't affect you. Right? And, and somehow, if they're dead, I don't think impressing them matters. <laughs> right? And then if you're dead, which is the next one, you're crucified, then you don't have, then there's nothing about you to, to impress them. There isn't the issues of embarrassment and all these other issues. Amen? And I think I probably left out a couple. But anyway, there's two, there's two other crucifixions. One is the fact that the, Romans 6 verse 6 says, that, that, that how that you were crucified, how that the old man is crucified, having to do that sin nature. Amen? And then in another place, in Galatians 2 verse 2 says that you were crucified with him. And that has to do with self. Amen? So if I take that perspective, then, then my consciousness is not about me and my and what I have to do and what I don't have. It's not about that. It's all about him. And it's about him flowing through me. It is about my yieldingness to him. Are you with me? So Galatians chapter 5 verse, verse, verse 1 says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Every single child of God that is born again has been made free indeed in their spirit. Everyone. Every single child of God has been perfected forever by that one offering. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. However, that perfection in your spirit or that being free indeed in your spirit, for that to come into the other areas of your life, it takes application of the truth. When you apply the truth, the truth will make you free. Amen? 
in any area, whether you're dealing healing or whatever else. So it says, stand fast in that liberty whereby Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled with any yoke of bondage. Don't allow yourself to be deceived and pulled into some realm where, you're, where it's about you and about works and about performances. Amen? Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ will not profit you anything. He could have added, and if you're uncircumcised, that will make a difference. It's not circumcision that availeth, nor is it uncircumcision, but it is faith that worketh by love, and it is the new creation that availeth. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, understand this. Anytime you go into this realm of performance and doing, what you are basically saying is that God says, here's my system. You know when it says, I wish you were either hot or cold? You, know, you remember that scripture? Right? Remember that? What is he talking about? Can I put it in my own terms? I wish you'd either wholeheartedly go after the law or wholeheartedly go after grace and the spirit. Because you're in the middle and you're lukewarm and, and you're like good for nothing. Because you see the law, if he, he's saying look, if you're going to go after the law, go after it completely. But here's the thing. If you don't go after it, if, if you were somehow able to go after it completely, you could never fulfill it. And that very law will condemn you and accuse you yeah. and, make, and find you guilty. So that is the reason why the Bible says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Because he came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And once he has fulfilled it, he's fulfilled, fulfilled it on our behalf. So when we receive him, in him it's fulfilled and done. But you so, and through the body of Christ, you are dead to the law. So that law no longer has a voice or any authority over your life as a believer. You follow me? But when you decide, all right, I'm going to trust in my own works. I'm going to trust. Now, hey, I, I, I've thought about tithing and I believe in tithing and I've got articles on tithing, 20 some reasons for tithe, and, and, and God has given me great grace and, 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 and revelation in that area to be able to teach it in the new covenant and all of that and so on. But if you think that it is my tithing and because I tithe or because I keep the Sabbath, or because I, 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 I kneel, or because I shout and wave my hand, or because I do the flag. If you think it's any of those things, or because I never miss church on a Sunday, I'm always there. Right? I'm perfect in my church attendance. If you think it's any of those things, and you are trusting in those things, and that's the system you're trusting in, then the, then the law says you've got to fulfill all the law. And if you break one little part, you're guilty of breaking all. So once you go over in that system, immediately you're going to be condemned. Your very conscience will condemn you because you can never fulfill it. So God says, I've got a better way. The law was given by Moses, but thank God, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen? So Christ, it says, is become of none effect unto you Whoever of you are justified or declared righteous and could be treated as if you never sinned by the law. 
you'll be treated as if you never sinned. Because that's what it is to be justified, isn't that right? Mm -hmm. How could the law treat you like if you never sinned? How could you be justified by the law? When the law itself says guilty. Mm -hmm. Amen? It can be. It is only Christ that justifies you. But when you go over there, then you make Christ and his dying of none effect. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God forevermore. So God says, I want your heart to be established with grace. I want your heart to be established wherein your confidence is in him. Not your own ability, but his ability. Back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 5 is going to say, It is through the Spirit that we wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. It is not by, it is by, it's not by reliance on the law, but it is by reliance on the Holy Spirit, leaning on Him, trusting in Him, um, obeying Him, following His promptings and everything else, and, and, and because He is the Spirit of grace. It is through Him, not flesh, not works, not me, not mine, but it's through Him that I wait and I have this expectation that I wait for the hope, that I wait for, for what God has promised to be fulfilled, for, that I wait for all of these benefits that comes out of this righteousness and this, one, this oneness that I have with God in Christ. I'll wait for it by faith. I'll wait for it trusting in what God has said and what God has done, trusting in what Jesus has finished. Yes. Are you with me? Amen. Through the Spirit, we wait. Now let me go back to Romans chapter 7. I want to get this verse in. I, I attempted it, but we still didn't make it. Verse 6. All right. Romans chapter 7, verse 6 says, But now we are delivered from the law, being dead wherein we were held. Now watch this here. That we should serve in the newness of of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And I believe here we're talking about the newness of this born again spirit that you have. I'm going to come back to that verse. But Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried by baptism into death. We were baptized into death. We were in Christ. We were tied died with him. And when he died, we died. Yes. And unlike as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, when he was raised up, we were raised up. And we were given his life. So that it's no longer you that live, but it is Christ that liveth in you. And the life you now live, it is the life of Christ and you live it by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2.20 and Colossians 3.4. Christ himself is your life. So you were buried with him by baptism into death. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, you too were raised up with him. So then, you ought to live as someone who has indeed been raised up with him. You ought to live as this new person that you are. Seated in heavenly places 
in Christ at the Father's right hand. But look at how it puts it. So it says, even so, you should walk in the newness of life. It calls it so that you should walk, and this is how you should now function, in this newness of life. You should now function as somebody that has been raised. The old man is crucified, and you raised up together with him. If you look in the identity of that born-again spirit, you will look inside of here, inside the born-again spirit, and all that stuff about crucifixion, you will find in there, oh, he, the old, oh, no sin nature. He's dead to that. Self, dead to that. He only lives for the will of God. People, uh-uh, not, not affected by people at all. He does not live for the will of men, but for the will of God. You look inside him, and you look in his DNA, and then you recognize, oh, the world is crucified unto him. He is crucified uh, onto the world. The world has no voice, no influence on him whatsoever. You look, you see the issue of identity, race, black, white, male, female. Uh-uh. He's been baptized into Christ. He's put on Christ. He's one with Christ. And there's no Jew or Gentile born or free. You see, you look inside of him, you've, in his DNA, you see there is no ethnicity. You see there is no nationality. You see there is no culture. There is no tongue. There is no gender. There is no kindred. He's been redeemed out of it all. All you see is that he belongs to God and he has the very nature of God. You don't see any hereditary historical genes. You don't see any history. All you see, all things pass away. All you see is his life is in God. And God says that's who you are and that's how you are to think. You know the Bible says in Colossians chapter 4 verse 6, let your words okay there's another one that says let your words be seasoned with salt that you might minister grace unto the hearers. I think that's, that's what Ephesians chapter 4, 29. But in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, it, it says, um, Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt. It did say seasoned with salt. <laughs> let your speech be with grace. In other words, let your speaking, what comes out of your mouth, let it be consistent with the life of Christ that is in you and he is the fullness of grace. We beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. Isn't that right? Of his fullness, we have received grace for grace. 1 John 1, 14, 1 John, not 1 John, John 1, 14, John 1, 16, and then by 7, John 17, the law was given by Moses, grace came through Jesus Christ. In him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Let no man deceive you with meats or with anything else. Because... Um, the fullness is of Christ. You are complete in him. Amen? So, okay, Romans chapter 7. We're still on it. Eh? Trying to get through this verse. verse. So then, so it says then, Romans chapter 7, verse 6. Now you are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, I remember, that we should serve. Well, Romans 6, verse 4 says that we should walk in the newness of life. Here, it says serve in the newness of spirit. Amen? And not in the oldness of the letter. Listen to this in the Amplified. So now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations. But under obedience to the promptings of the spirit in the newness of life. The promptings of the spirit in the newness of life. When you could follow the prompting of the spirit in the newness of life, when you can follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you will always be in the Spirit. That's why it says, even as He had taught you, that's what will cause you to abide in Him. 1 John 2.27 
Are you with me? Do we miss it? Of course we miss it. But we, are, we must develop that type of sensitivity so as to miss it less. <laughs> yes. Amen? 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 I mean, we can see to do things by the letter, okay? Service is finished. This is what we do. Everybody stand. Let's do this. Let's do that. But he might not be leading that way. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm talking with that Sunday. All right? So, but, but it seems that, I mean, it is that, it is that prompting. So what am I saying? It is done, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. How shall this mountain be removed? Before you use the rubber bell? It's done by grace. Grace, grace is the Spirit of grace. Amen. Amen? Our hearts must be established in grace. Not law, not works. Not our own doings, not our own performances, not what, not what somebody else think and, and all of those other stuff, but let it be established by grace. And become boldly aware to the throne of judgment that you might obtain according. No, you come boldly to the throne of grace. grace. That you might obtain mercy. Mercy, that's the sacrifice of Christ because of what Jesus did. And obtain mercy and find grace to help, help. In the time of need. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. We're done.